Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Welcome to episode 45 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. If you have not yet listened to episode 44, that is an episode you must go check out. I was joined by Keith Smith, an NBA salary cap and free agent savant, and he gave us a thorough breakdown of the Detroit Pistons and NBA offseason. But on today's episode, I have an amazing guest, a fellow American University alum, current contributor at The Athletic, and an all-around great basketball mind, and an even better man, David Aldridge. DA, welcome back to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Man, Bryce, it's great to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you again. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on the show. Happy to talk to you. Um, you know, I think I did the show with Vlad last year, so I love doing the show with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, so So David was on the show on its second episode ever, bef- one episode before Vlad asked me to join. So I didn't get a chance to talk with him. Like I said, you know, I know David from back when I played at AU, and we've stayed in touch here and there and um, just through some messages and stuff like that. So I'm juiced to just to get to talk to him. And we were talking before we recorded, you know, just reminiscing a little bit. That was amazing. So today we're going to go into all the Pistons stuff, Troy Weaver, the upcoming season, and we'll talk about David's hometown team, the Washington Wizards, when we go around the NBA. But I want to start with that DC connection, Troy Weaver. What are your thoughts on what Troy Weaver has done with this organization over the last 12 or so months? Bryce, I love it. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, when he first got there, the first draft, you know, they were trading a lot doing a lot of stuff and people are like what is he doing it's crazy this is nuts they're you know they're 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 making all these trades they're bringing all these people in they're throwing all this money at, at people what why are they giving jeremy grant all that money and you know what i mean and and i kept saying look when you come to a new team and it's not good you gotta blow it up man <laughs> like, you know like why would you keep doing what the last people who were unsuccessful did? You know what I mean? So that made no sense to me. So I was I was really I don't know, people in my business sometimes really to surprise me, disappoint me, whatever you want to think cuz I'm like, what would you expect somebody to do in that situation? You know, it's a bad team. It's a tough market. You know, it's hard to get free agents to go there. So, you know, all this nonsense about, well, let's just save cap room for the next seven years. You know, nobody, it's, it's really hard to get free agents to come to Detroit. So what would you do? You'd go bring in a bunch of young, hungry guys and see which, which one of that group, or which two or three of that group really has a chance to be, become better and, and play at a higher level. And that's exactly what he's done. And as I've said many times, whether it's Detroit or Chicago or Milwaukee or Indiana, Cleveland, all those Midwest cities, it gets damn cold in, in the winter. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you got to give people a reason to put on their coat and put put on their you know their boots and take their family out in that cold weather to go watch a basketball game. You know, so you can you can have if you have Michael Jordan, great. But most people don't have Michael Jordan. So what you can do is put a bunch of scrappy guys on the floor who are going to play hard, 
who are going to give you great effort, who are going to give you, you know, play with great enthusiasm and give you a reason to cheer. And that's exactly what Troy's done. And I love, I love what he's done. I love his vision. And what I also love about Troy is that he's not afraid to just do what he wants to do. And I, and I, it, it, it is an amazing thing, Bryce, in this business. And I've covered this league for more than 30 years now. When you see people not do what they want to do and, and, and fall into groupthink, well, we can't take that guy this high because of this. Take whoever you want. I've always said, I don't take, if you think like the Spurs took Josh Primo 12 and nobody had Josh Primo 12 in the mock, in any mock draft, right? Right. If you think Josh Primo is going to be a star, take Josh Primo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, why would you, why would you not do what you think is right? That's why you're in the chair, <laughs> you know? And that's what Troy does. He does what he thinks is right. He trusts his instincts and his eye for talent. And I love what he's doing. And, you know, nobody, you know, you don't plan on getting the first pick in the draft. It's, it's, a, it's a happy accident. But once you get the draft, you're, once you get the pick, you know, you took, I think they took the right guy for all the talk about, you know, Mobley and Green. I think you had to take Cunningham. I mean, if a guy has a chance to be a transcendent player, you got to take him. Yeah, so you, you brought up the word vision, and I think that's what has me most excited about this organization. I think it's what has most of fans excited about the organization because it was like, I think everybody was ready for a rebuild. Let's, let's take it down to its bare bones. But it wasn't just that, David. Like in one year, he took it down to the bare bones, completely revamped the roster, and while only winning 20 games, I understand, but you saw the potential from these guys already. But what about, you spoke to it, so maybe there's not a whole lot more to add, but that's what I love about Troy Weaver also. He's going to do his thing. He's not going to group think. He brought in Plumley. Everybody hated it. He paid Jeremy Grant too much money, supposedly. Turned out to be a steal. Nobody had Isaiah Stewart being drafted 16. He was a stud as a rookie. Like, can you just talk to that, how special it is that the Pistons have a GM and a front office that's willing to say, we're going to stick to our, our what we believe in and we're going to go for it, even if it doesn't make sense to our fan base or the rest of the NBA in the moment. Well, look, all you need to know about Troy, and I'm sure you know this and most of your listeners know it if you're big Pistons fans, is that when everybody on earth said Russell Westbrook was a 6'3 shooting guard, he was the one guy that said, no, he's a point guard. He's a point guard. <laughs> you, should, you should play him a point guard. That's his best position in the NBA. And that's all I needed to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Um, because you have to have people that fight for their guy and they fight for the for the guy that they think is going to be special and has a chance to be special just like Sam Presti fought for Manu Ginobili you know it's the famous Spurs story that he was the guy and he was a nobody in the Spurs scouting department then and literally not literally but figuratively got on the table and said we have to take Manu Ginobili in the second round he's got a chance to be that good and they took him and that's the you know and trusting your eyes that's like it's the biggest hardest thing I think for executives to do is trust your eyes. If you think this guy's got a chance to be that good, take him. You know, and, and we, we said it with the Spurs and, and he did it, last, as you mentioned, with Isaiah Stewart last year. Again, way higher than most people thought, but he said, no, this guy's a player. You know, and so that vision and knowing talent is something that Troy's always had, going back to his Syracuse days, going back to his days here with, with the AAU Team DC Assault that he co-founded. So he's always had a really good eye for who can play. And so I never doubt Troy when he says this guy's got a chance to be a really good player. 
Yeah, and so we're going to talk about another one of those DC guys that you already brought up, Jeremy Grant, in just a second. But I want to I want to ask you one more question about what I feel like Troy Weaver's done, and that's changing a culture in Detroit and within the organization. I thought one of the things uh, you know that goes overlooked is how he handled Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, two veterans who no le- who no longer fit the vision, David. And sometimes those things can get very ugly. And um, Keith Smith, you know, touched on it just a little bit. Those connections, those relationships. I think two words that come with Weaver a lot um, are relationships and his talent evaluation. I guess that's three words, but um, the two things. So can you speak to those relationships and what it meant, kind of how he handled this transition from guys like Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, to the younger guys and the changing of the culture? Sure. Well, again, I think he is, you know, Troy being in Oklahoma City as long as he's been, obviously had had very strong dealings with all of the prominent agents in the game. So you know, with a guy like Blake Griffin, who clearly didn't fit what they were going to do and, and wanted to move on, what you want to do is make is give him a chance to leave with some dignity, right? And give him an out. And I know people listening are saying, well, he makes millions of dollars. Why do I care about his dignity? But, but that matters to agents especially, but it also to yep. the players and their families. And, and so they didn't make Blake Griffin a pariah. They just said, okay, this doesn't, you know, we know you don't want to be here. We know we're going to move on from you. So let's figure out a way to do this together in a professional way. And that's exactly what they did. And they and they worked out a buyout that made sense for Blake and made sense for the team. I don't think they, you know, neither side got every dollar they wanted, but they, they resolved the problem. You know what I mean? And that allowed that situation to end in a way that both sides could take away some some you know, some dignity and some sense that this was a fair deal for both sides. And and the same with Derrick Rose, you know, in a different way, um, you know, these are professionals. These are guys that, that have played at a very high level and you don't, you, you can't treat them, you know, badly, I think, on the way out. I think you have to, again, find an accommodation that makes sense for both sides. And they did that. And that's something that people remember when their free agents come up in the next few years. You know, when they have a free agent that's coming, they may look at Detroit and say, hey, you know what? We had a good experience with Troy. You know, he didn't screw us over. Um, he gave us a fair deal. And so maybe maybe I give Detroit a listen, a real listen. And you never know when that can pay off down the road if you treat someone well at a moment when you don't really have to, but you do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely, and that's what I think. Like maybe a guy gives Detroit a chance and says, "You know what? I'll go there because I know if it isn't panning out the way I want it to, they'll treat me right." You know, they'll right. they'll, they'll self reflect and say, "You know what? Th- this hasn't worked out. This isn't looking the way we thought when he signed with us. So we'll give him the chance to move on." Um, which is something whenever I had James Edwards, the third on from The Athletic with you, he talked about that, you know, Jeremy Grant, you know, he thinks, I think Jeremy Grant's going to be here long term, but we kind of talked about that maybe if the, the progression of the Pistons doesn't stay the way it looks, that, you know, maybe Jeremy Grant would then leave. But right now he's in Detroit. He had a great year, another D.C. guy. Um, I don't know if you saw him coming up through high school and all that, had a chance to watch him. He did. He went to my my alma mater, DeMatha Catholic High School. Okay, DeMatha, yes, sir. You know, 
I remember when I got to DC and I saw the demand, like I had no clue DA. I was, you know, I was from Kansas. I had no clue. And I had to have uh, coach Jackson explain to me like what the math of high school meant, you know, like, um, so Jeremy Grant, how much did he surprise you though? And, you know, I think he was part of that culture change here with Troy Weaver and the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, a little. I, you know, I obviously watched Jeremy in high school and in college, and I thought he had a chance to be a, a, a solid NBA player. Um, I think he played at a at a higher level in Denver than, you know, actually, I don't go back. Oklahoma City is really where I thought he started to play well, you know. Um, and Denver, he got to another level. And maybe, I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to Troy chapter and verse about when he thought Jeremy had the opportunity to really kind of take another step in his progression, in his evolution as a player. But I thought that, you know, he played in OKC for two years. And I I just really thought his game kind of matured those two years. He, He learned, I think, to play with a guy like Russell Westbrook in OKC where you have to kind of play in a different way than you're normally accustomed to. And he kind of figured it out, I think. And I think that really helped him in terms of his career. And then I thought he played very well in Denver. And they wanted to keep him, as you know. Um, But he saw, and again, this comes to the vision part of it. He thought, and many NBA players think this, that, that, you know, I should be starting. I have a, you know, I should be, I should be a, a really integral part of a team. I'm not just a rotation guy. And maybe most of us that looked at him thought, didn't think so and thought, well, maybe I think you might just be a rotation guy, Jeremy, you know, like, um, but Troy Weaver said, no, he can be a starter on a good team and, and, and gave him that opportunity. And that again is seeing things that maybe other people don't see. And I think we would all say Jeremy Grant responded with a year befitting that of a guy that should be a starter in this league. I mean, he had a very strong, solid year for the Pistons last year. And I I think he can, you know, be more efficient and better and probably will be as the team's talent level improves around him. Absolutely. And that's, I'm very interested to see if he takes yet another step. You know, it's one thing you, you take one step from this level to this. And, you know, at some point there's always a, a cap on a player, but he's still young enough. And, you know, last year was his first year kind of in that quote unquote number one option role, that alpha role. Now, obviously that's going to change just a little bit with the number one pick that you alluded to earlier and Cade Cunningham. Obviously, this, this is a guy, obviously, that has everybody excited, DA. Um, what, what do you see in Cade Cunningham's game? What is impressive? you so far on or off the court um, with this young kid? Well, I think one is, is you know, the talent level. He's obviously, I think, an elite level passer, right? I mean, and, and again, at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, he's going to have passing angles that people who are 6'1", six, 6'2", six, don't have. You know, I mean, that's the, that's the first thing you notice is, you know, the size gives you an opportunity to make different passes. And I never mind turnovers from point guards if they see it you know if they see things that 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 most people don't see they they should have the opportunity to try different things that other people don't see so I don't mind that that never really bothers me all that much um you know he can shoot it and I think the the main thing is I think he's got I think he's got great leadership potential at the pro level and it's hard to lead grown men very hard. Um, these are grown men with families. You know, they're used to being the, the heads of their households. They're not used to taking orders from other people. You have to be, you have to have a real toughness about you, I think. And especially as a young point guard. 
to be able to say, no, I'm not giving you the ball this time. I'm giving the ball to him because he needs to get a shot, you know. Um, and that's hard to do. Uh, and, and But I think Kate can do it because I think he will do it maybe not in a drill sergeant manner, but he'll do it in a manner that people will listen. I just think he's got a chance to be a really, really good pro. Um, I don't think he, he doesn't rush. When you watch him, a lot of people compare him to slow-mo down in Memphis, you know, Kyle Anderson. But, he, yeah, you know, he's yeah. a more talented Kyle Anderson, obviously. But just the way he plays, he never for, seems to be forcing anything. It all seems to flow very naturally. And then after two quarters, he's if he needs to take over offensively, he will, he will do that or try to do that. And that's what, you know, that's the mark of somebody that understands the game and, and understands that my job is to get other people going and then I can get myself going if I have to. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I think the leadership was the thing that I didn't really anticipate. And I realize I'm a Piston fan, David, you know, so obviously like I'm hooked, you know, hook, line and sinker with what he says, but I really believe he has this, like, he has a magnetism to him. I had Matt Derry on and he called it a cachet, you know, like there's just, and he's playing to the heart of Detroit, you know, the the history of Detroit, the culture of Detroit. And I just, I think it's, it's genuine. I think it's real. And I just think that's something that the Pistons organization really needed. We have a lot of really good players, Stewart and Bay and Grant and all these guys down the line but we needed that that guy that just galvanized the team and was that leader and I just feel like Cade Cunningham so far uh, and like you said developing into it really has fit that mold really well yeah and it won't happen all at once but the good thing is that when when it's when all the guys these are all guys he's played with played against you know what I mean coming up um and so um I don't think there will be an intimidation factor with him um, because he knows all these guys. So he's not going to be, you know, thrown playing against Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs or any of these guys or, or playing with Isaiah Stewart and, and Bay and some of these other folks that, that are on the team. So that part, I think, will be easier. But, you know, it will be an adjustment running an NBA team. I mean, it's just a different game than college. And, you know, the defensive challenges are so much greater in the NBA than they are in college as well. Um, you have to play both ends, and it's hard. It takes a lot out of you. So he'll learn it, though. I think he's willing to put the work in. It's, I talked to Jermaine O'Neal, who had him down in, in – he was in Jermaine's AAU program down in Dallas for a couple of years. And Jermaine, you know, Point Blake said, I didn't think he was a point guard. I told him and his brother that. And they said, no, he is a point guard. You'll see. And and being able to prove it to a pro like Jermaine O'Neal, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> that's a real good sign um, that, that you – you know, you're capable of more than maybe people think. So with you saying all that, David, and you continue to talk about him playing point guard, I know where the listeners' minds are going to go, and that's to Killian Hayes and what that means for him because there's a lot of questions about these two guys playing together. So do you think, I mean, I think you're going to give it a chance this year no matter what, but do you think long-term do you see some issues there? Maybe Killian has to come off the bench or one of them has to play off the ball more? I mean, obviously one of them will. Which one would that be? Well, I mean, that's a fair question, Bryson. I don't think we know the answer right now. Um, You know, I can't say with any great confidence right now that either one of them would be good off the ball. I mean, I think part of the the reasoning for drafting Killian Hayes last year and certainly drafting Cade Cunningham this year is their skill on the ball, right? I mean, they are they are lead guards who, who have the facility to make plays 
to other people, partly because of their size, but also because of their their vision and talent and everything else. So I can't I can't sit here and just automatically say, well, one of them can play too. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Um, that's something that may have to be finessed. That's something that you may. You know, I, you may see Killian Hayes with the second unit. I don't know. I haven't talked to, to Case about it, um, but I can't. I'm not going to sit here and just assume that that's going to work out. It might not. You know, they might just be. You might just have two young point guards, and you're going to have to figure out what to do with one of them. Um, and my, I think we all know that it's probably going to be Kate. If you have to make a decision, you're going to probably stick with Kate Cunningham. Um, but that again, that's not a bad problem to have. Um, to have multiple ball handlers on the floor. I mean, teams play with three guards, sometimes four guards now. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have two guys who can handle the ball playing together. I'm just saying I can't, I'm not going to assume that that's going to work just because you want it to. You know, you have to see it work on the floor. Absolutely. And that's, I think it's very going to be very interesting to see what Coach Casey does with those two guys and, you know, what sets he comes up with and actions to utilize their skill set. Because I think you can still use both, utilize both of them, but obviously it takes, um, you know, some work and, and some different looks. So a, a little bit, a bit ago, you know, David, you, you referenced playing both sides of the ball. And so I'm going to bring up a guy that, that I think was polarizing whenever he was picked in the second round, very polarizing for a second round pick, and then has quickly um, endeared himself to the Detroit Pistons and that's Luca Garza and an- another DC kid David you know played high school there in the DC area um, what did you think about Luca Garza coming up out of high school and then coming out of Iowa and what we've seen I know it's it's the summer league but still get a little bit of a look at him what have you thought about Luca Garza well the funny thing Bryce is that Luca played at Murray which is not a basketball school by any stretch of the imagination and you just not thought it just it does not have a storied, celebrated basketball program. And an early offer to Luca Garza was what was by the American University. So, was it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he was in like the 10th grade, we, we so, offered. So would that have been 10th? T- that would have been Coach Brennan? Yeah, I think so. Maybe when he first got there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to text coach. I did not yeah, know that. We tried to get him early. And then, you know, you know, again, you're like kid from Murray. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know you could see he was a big skill kid. But then he just started blowing up his junior year, and you realize there's no chance. We, we have no chance sure. of this guy. Um, yeah. Look, the, the 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 questions on Luca are defense. You know that that's that is the question. Everybody has the same question about him. There's no question about his ability to score. We all know he can score, um, but can he guard people? That's the question. You know, and that is what. We don't know, but I was, you know, I I did a bunch of draft stuff, previews and stuff, and talked to a few coaches about Luca, a couple of Big Ten coaches, and they said, look, you know, he's never going to be able to guard somebody in space. That's not what you want him to do. But can he play drop coverage? Sure, he can play drop coverage in the NBA. You know, like, I mean, Brooke Lopez is not the fleetest of foot guys, but he can play drop coverage if you play drop coverage, right? As a in defense, um, off of a screen and roll. Um, so it's just going to all be about can he guard well enough to keep him on the floor. I think he'll score in this league. I don't think he's going to score at the clip he scored at at Iowa, but I think he can score enough in this league to stay on the floor if you play him with a second unit. But the question is, can he guard people? And that's what we're going to have to find out. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think 
the way the shot has really come around and looks true from summer league, I think is huge for him offensively. And so that offensive game is going to translate. Um, I did a breakdown for any of the listeners. Go check out Detroit Bad Boys, where I do articles and the video breakdowns now. I did one from his summer league season. So go check that out if you haven't. And, and the drop coverage, you know, that's that's definitely where we're going to have to play. I, I kind of feel like, David, the X factors were for me were, because you know defensively what the limitations are. Can he become an above average defender, which, or sorry, a rebounder and he's going to have to do it positionally right like he's not going to out jump people and how good is his passing because you know Detroit runs a lot of a dribble dribble ad action yeah. they run a lot of short roll pick and roll stuff if he can be a good facilitator maybe not as good as Mason Plumley, but kind of in that mold right I think those two things now that just gives you some other things to balance out the defensive limitations sure and again if you can earn your keep offensive well I, I think there's a you have a unless you are an, a really elite PJ Tucker level defender, I think it's much easier to stay on the floor scoring than not scoring. You know what I mean? Like yeah, um, yeah. So a guy you know a guy like Luca, if he can play against ones, you know, and, and earn his keep and, and stay on the floor. To your point, facilitate, you know, without you know make plays with, with to for others without scoring. Um, you know, is he a good screener? I mean, that's the sort of thing that can keep you on the floor. You know what I mean? Like Martin Gortat wasn't a great scorer, but he was such a great screen setter. He he could stay on the floor because he could get other guys open. You know, so a guy like Luca, that's where what's one area where you can really help yourself out is if you really help get your guards open, you can stay on the floor. Um, so those are things that you just don't know about a guy until they're on the floor playing in the pros. If they can, if they have the the you know what they you know what you're supposed to do but can you get to the spot you need to get to can you hold your position without being called for an offensive foul can you make the guy lean on lean into you a little bit all those little tricks that that big men do um all those things and can he can he pass at the elbows and and make entry passes scoring passes can he throw cross court can he throw the skip pass all of those things that can help you stay on the floor yeah, and I think people are going to say, well, we saw him do those things. But again, guys, it's the summer league and, you know, the, the level, uh, you know, I, everybody understands this, but it's going to go up. The level of athleticism, how fast the game is, scouting, all that stuff. So we're going to have to see it on the NBA floor. And with him getting that second two-way contract, I think we will see it, you know, uh, how many ever games this year. You know, I think we'll see him on the floor at times. But I want to go to the free agency and another big guy that the Pistons added this summer, and that was Kelly Olynyk. And again, I'll be, I'll be honest, DA, I was – I question this. I thought we needed a guy more in the Nerlens Noel mold, um, but Troy Weaver obviously has a vision after seeing this team last year, and he wants shooting. I, I think there was an emphasis on shooting. Obviously, I don't talk to anybody that knows this, so I, th- this is just my outside perception, but um, what do you think about Kelly Olenek just as a player and maybe his fit with this Pistons team? Well, here's, here's why I think it's a good signing for them, because Kelly's got a toughness to him that I think Troy likes. I mean, Kelly's no punk, okay? So he is going to go out there. He he will scrap with people. He'll give people a little extra, if you know what I'm saying. Yep, <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> and and to your to your point, he shoots it he shoots it very well for a big. So those are things that translate to the way the Pistons like to play. I think that that Troy wants this team to play. And you know, I saw Kelly Olynyk. Look, I've still I've said this to people. When the Celtics got to the Eastern Conference Finals in, in 2017, Kelly Olynyk won Game 7. It wasn't Isaiah Thomas. Kelly Olynyk's the guy that beat the Wizards in Game 7. He had one of the great un, unexpected Game 7s that you'll ever see. You know, um, And so he is not afraid to take shots in big situations and make big shots. He is a 
confident young man. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so, hey, but you have to have that, absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, yes. I mean th- absolutely. this name is this name is going to mean more to you than the listeners. But Garrison Carr, I always talk about that DA. Yeah. Garrison Carr shot with extreme confidence, no conscience whatsoever. Didn't matter what he made her. And it was the difference between him and other, like I shot a, a very high level whenever we were at shoot around, but then my confidence would waver in games. Like that level of confidence is a must. And I think it's as much for shooters as any other skill. No, I absolutely agree. And, and Olenek has that level of confidence, um, you know, and, he, and again, he plays up to the line you know, and occasionally the line gets a little blurry. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. You got to you got to survive in this league, and he's managed to survive, and he's played for some a bunch of teams, and people keep giving him contracts. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. it's not. This isn't a charity. They don't do this unless they think you can give them something. And and Kelly Olynyk, I think, has proven over the course of his first few years in the league that he's got that combination at both ends and he'll you know he'll try to go get a rebound he's not a great rebounder but he'll still stick his nose in there and try to get a rebound you know um so you like guys like that and he's got like i said he's got a toughness to him that allows him to that has allowed him to play in this league and continue to get contracts and so it, it did not surprise me that they brought him in for the shooting piece but i also think the toughness piece Absolutely. So one more question just before we take a look forward with the Pistons and then get to your Washington Wizards. Is there any guy on the roster you kind of really like, David, like that we haven't talked about? Uh, A Sadiq Bey, a Hami Diallo, um, Frank Jackson, Isaiah Stewart, any guy that kind of sticks out to you? Like, man, I really like, enjoy watching that guy play, kind of like his game. Well, how can you not like Stewart? I mean, you just (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Just just a, a lunch pail guy that brings it with, you know, that's again, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's it's January 4th and it's 12 degrees outside. <laughs> you know, I want a guy that's going to that's going to play with some passion and some fire and be excited to be on the floor and dive on the floor for a loose ball and, and, and muscle between two guys to get a rebound. You know, you need guys like that on your team. And, and, I, and he's that guy. You know, he's one of those types of guys. And so you love watching guys that really bring it. And whatever their talent level, playing hard is a skill, I believe. I mean, I think that's a skill. And guys like that who play hard every night, they give you a chance. You know, because you know there's going to be nights where the starters don't have it. The the star misses a bunch of shots. But the guy that plays hard every night is going to do a lot of things to help you stay in games and give you a chance to win games. So, Yeah. yeah, you love to have a guy like that on your team. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's that energy guy, brings juice when he comes in. And, and I'm with you, D. I, I think energy or playing hard is a skill. It's a skill I learned from Jeff Jones in my two years so, at yeah. American that I don't know that I really had. You know, I was uh, I, not to the level that I had when I left there. So um, real quick, looking at the not just the upcoming season, but moving forward, um, with the Pistons, do you how do you kind of see this playing out with them? Do you think they kind of have their core that they're just going to develop over the next three to five years and kind of roll with it, or do you think there has to be another one more big move to being in, to to bring in a star alongside Cade and the rest of the cast? Oh, they need, no, they need more talent. They don't have enough. Um, you know, they've got they've got a a bunch of good young players. We'll see if any of them become great young players. You know. Um, you know, you think you certainly think Cade has a chance to be a great player, right? You, you, if you go number one, number one, you, you're supposed to be great, you know. Um, so if we assume that he's a great player, do they have another great player on this roster? 
I don't think so. I don't think they do, no. That's why I was asking, I guess, was like, I didn't know whether you saw that. Um, I know some people do in a couple of these guys. I think they're really good players. Yeah. I think you need at least two quote-unquote stars in this league when you want to start competing for a championship. Right. Kate has to be one of those or none of this discussion matters. I think the second one, either, you know, free agency, like we've talked about earlier, or you end up having to flip some of these guys for, for a trade. Well, I think you look like, look at the, I, I would say, look at the Suns, right? Everybody kind of said, well, Devin Booker's a star, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a star player. He's a really good player. They won nothing with him as their best player. They had to go get Chris Paul, and that puts you over the top. That that elevates everybody else's game. And now your role players do more than maybe they would do by themselves, you know, and so having that other great player elevated everybody's game, took the pressure off of Devin, allowed him to kind of not have to be the guy every night. Um, so that's why I think the Pistons, and it doesn't matter what position it is, but just another great player to take the pressure off of Cade and allow the role players to just excel in their roles, right? And, and so that's the next step for them. And whether that's through the draft or free agency or through a trade, I, I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I don't think that that second great player is on the roster right now. Yeah, and that's what I said. I think what that does is it everybody's probably still in, still playing one role above where they should. You yeah. know, on, 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 if, the, if they're on a, a championship caliber team or not even championship, but like a, a good playoff caliber team. And, and sometimes you don't see guys best whenever they're playing a role above where they should be. Right. So you get that second star and now they all fall back a role and, you know, then they really flourish, like, like you said. So uh, I, I agree with you. I just wanted to ask to see if you kind of saw the same way. Um, but let's go around the NBA a little bit. Like I, I, I want to talk about the Washington Wizards. And before I let you go, I, I do want to ask you about Dennis Schroeder, but let's start with the Wizards. I've talked about it on the podcast. I messaged you, DA, when some of this stuff happened. I really like what they've done this offseason. What do you feel about, you know, starting with the Russ trade, the draft, Corey Kispert, and some of the, the sign-in trade for Dinwiddie, etc.? You know, if you start with the Westbrook deal, that, you know, that team, you know, Russ had a great season last year. It was a historic season with the triple doubles and everything, but that team had a ceiling, right? I mean, I think that team probably was maxed out where where it what where it finished. You know, as an eight seed, could they be a seven seed? Eh, maybe, you know, but they're first round fodder team, and and I think Russ knew that, and so he wanted to get it go someplace where he had a chance to win a championship. And again, I think this is another good example of you know, two sides coming together and making a fair deal for both sides. So you send Westbrook to the Lakers. He has, plays with LeBron and AD and has a chance to win a ring. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Nobody knows. We'll see. But that allowed the Wizards to recalibrate their team. And, you know, they make they make the what were two separate deals into one big deal, you know, with the Dinwiddie piece coming in as well as what they got from the Lakers to really kind of rejigger their roster into one that makes a lot more sense. Now they still they're still forward heavy. They need to get rid of a couple of forwards, but at least now you see depth charts that make sense, right? I mean, there's ones, there's twos, there's threes. You know, you add Kispert in the draft, um, who's a flat-out shooter. They need as many three-point shooters as humanly possible on the floor. Um, you look at that roster and you see a lot more help for Beal than you saw last year. And I think Bradley had to work so hard every time to score. You know, he never had an easy basket. 
it was always slogging, slamming through two or three people coming off of a pin down or something, having to go through the teeth of a defense to get to the rim. Well, I think he's going to get easier baskets going forward, and that's going to help him um, maybe be better on defense, for example. Um, so I think this is a win-win. I think I don't think the Wizards are a top-four seed in the East, but I think they're a much better team, absolutely better than they were last year. And I guess that's my thing is, you know, they're not competing for a championship. I don't think anybody would look at that roster and necessarily think that. But like you said, I can't remember if it was Keith or somebody else I, I had on was talking to. The roster just seems to make sense now, DA. Like you like you said, it just you look at it and you can kind of see it. And if, if it ends up there's a hole somewhere, like you said, maybe you can package some guys and bring in if they need a second star, maybe Dinwiddie. I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, you know, ACL injuries, they aren't what they used to be. They're still your little under sure. I believe Thomas Bryant's coming off an ACL as well, correct? Um, I love, I mean, Daniel Gafford is a guy I love. Um, I I love his game. I would love to have him in Detroit. Um, But, you know, it just, it seems like a roster that makes sense, have a lot of nice pieces. I'm just, I'm I'm intrigued by it. I think it's interesting and I'm interested to see how it plays out, not just this year, but even moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, they have the the good thing again, also, I should say, is that, you know, that group of guys, you know, all the guys they brought from the Lakers, Dinwiddie, you know, all, nobody's over 28 years of age they're all the whole team's 28 and younger so you've put a bunch of pros around Beal over the next two or three years and you don't know what the ceiling is it you know maybe maybe they're a first round win team now I don't know but you know they do need a they do need another star there's no question about it um but now you have the pieces where at least you can make a credible offer for a superstar that may be disgruntled or ready to go for whatever reason, you have the pieces in place to make a big-time move, a big-time trade, whether it's this year or next summer or in two years. And even if Beal says, hey, you know what, I just I still want to leave, or I, or I want to leave, he hasn't said he wanted to leave yet, um, you have at least a team that if you, whatever you get for Beal, you add that to what you've got, you can put it, it's a representative team. You can put a product on the floor that can win NBA basketball games, you know? So that that's encouraging. Whereas before, it was just Bradley Beal and a bunch of guys. Agreed. As I say, I just... Um, the listeners are probably getting tired of me talking about the Wizards, but it's just I, I really liked what they did. I'm very intrigued. So, all right, last question, DA, and then I, I'm going to get you out of there. As much fun as I'm having, I know i got to let you go. But Dennis Schroeder, yeah. I, I asked Keith Smith about it. Um, actually, the AU guys are going to love this because we've been chatting it up in the group chat. You know, what happened? Like, I, I, and I know you may know more than you're able to tell me or tell the listeners, but what happened? Did they just, did they not, did they miss on the market? What, what happened? Well, you know, what's the cliche? I bet on myself and guys bet on themselves every summer and some win and some lose. And this time Dennis lost, you know, um, he just did not have the kind of season with the Lakers that led you to believe he was going to have a lot of suitors throwing a lot of money his way. It just, it just never was there. You never even heard a gurgling about, you know, there's three teams interested in Dennis, you know, that they're, that they're going to have a bidding war against each other for him. It never, never rose. You knew Kyle Lowry had, had multiple teams that wanted him. If Reggie Jackson had decided to leave the Clippers, there were multiple teams lined up to go after him. There were multiple teams that were interested in Dinwiddie because they you know everybody knew that the, the Nets couldn't afford to re-sign him at the number he wanted. But you just never heard that with Dennis. 
That's not all Dennis's fault, but it just was obvious there was no market there. There just the market wasn't there, um, and because of all of the extensions that a lot of people signed last in the last year, there weren't nearly as many teams with cap room as you would have anticipated normally. You know, like, as you would have thought about a year ago, because everybody was was gearing up to try and get Giannis a year ago. Well, Giannis signed last December. You know, he re-upped with Milwaukee. So that so you had a bunch of teams with cap room. They all started signing their own guys to extensions. You got to spend the money somewhere. And there just wasn't a lot of money in the system, you know? So so here's my question. And, and we don't even have to single it out to this situation. And I know I said I only had one question. I promise, I promise this is the okay. last one. Um, so w- is this a situation where the agent maybe misread it? Or d- do the NBA guy, like did Schroeder, Schroeder say to his agent, like, no, I think I can go get more. I think I'm worth more. Like, how do those, like, what's the dynamic there, I guess? It's, I, th- I think it's, a, it's, it's several, I mean, it's group. I don't think there's any okay. one person, okay. you know, if the, re- if the reports are true and the Lakers had offered him an extension and he turned it down, that's the player saying, no, I think I can get more money than that. Okay. You know, most of the time, there's very few players who, you know, kind of blindly listen to their agent. Like I said before, everybody thinks they're great in the NBA. <laughs> you know, like everybody, th- everybody thinks they should be making $100 million. So, um, you know, usually that's the player saying, no, let's take it to the market. Let's see what's out there. I'm, you know, I'm sure there's, that there's money out there for me. And, you know, it's circumstance, it's bad timing, but it's also Dennis just didn't play well enough to, to earn it. That, you know, it, that happens sometimes, you know, like, you know, I'm sure he's thinking, well, we'll get to the playoffs, we'll get to the finals, I'll play great, you know, and people will, people will throw money at me. Yep, yep. You know, he didn't see it. He didn't see it. The Lakers going out in the first round. You know what I mean? So, That's uh, true. you know, so now you're stuck because you have no nothing to show people. You don't have that last memory to show people. Um, so that that happens in this league. You know, you take the gamble and stuff happens, some of which is your fault, but some of which isn't your fault. Um, and and you lose. And, you know, Dennis is a good player and I'm sure he will play well in Boston. Um, you know, he'll get an opportunity to play with two really good players in Tatum and Brown. And, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, I don't know if he'll make everything back that he's lost, but he'll get another good contract. He's a good player. Yeah, and that's what I didn't even think about that whole aspect of probably, you know, thinking they were going to make it to the finals and he'd be on the national, you know, big time national stage. And sometimes those guys seem to get overpaid a little bit, you know, if they have great just based off of finals. So, so right. Um, you know, David, like this was amazing. I had so much fun. I appreciate you coming on. I, I like I say I, I wish we could go longer, but I know we can't. Um, I would love to have you back sometime. You know, once we get into the season or something like that. Um, so thank you again. And I just want to give you a chance. Not that everybody doesn't already know where you're at and where to follow you on Twitter, but just in case, let everybody know where they can follow you and where all your stuff is. Yeah, no, I'm 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 coming up on three years now at the Athletic. I. Um, cover the uh, the NBA and and DC sports for the athletic um, David Aldridge DC is my Twitter um, handle and uh, you know we're there it's a it's a great subscription based service no ads you pay what you pay every month and you get incredible across the board deep coverage of every sport pro college NBA, WNBA, men's and women's basketball, NFL, baseball, everything. Soccer, we, we have an enormous presence in Europe covering soccer. Um, you just can't, you can't get what we offer anywhere else. You just can't. It's not there. Um, it's not available. 
and that's the great thing you know you pay for quality but you get quality um and it's definitely worth taking a look at theathletic.com and and you know tr get take one of these uh trial offers and see if you like it but i think you'll like it if you give it a shot yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. I'm a subscriber. I check it out. Like that's where I go for most of my content there um, is there at The Athletic. So again, DA, thank you so much. This was a blast. Um, I want to continue to thank everyone that's been supporting Motor City Hoops and the content I've been putting out. The feedback I continue to get is overwhelming and humbling, but it's always appreciated. Please continue to like, retweet, follow, leave comments, ratings, and all that. Episode 46 will drop on Monday, and then I'll do a couple more weeks of two episodes per week, and then maybe just one per week until we get to the season. Um, thank you again, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.